And we're back with a little more Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. In studio today, enjoying this Friday, June 9th, 219th broadcast of Live Till 5. Glad to have you with us today. Perhaps you noticed that we had a nice long Hawaiian introduction song with no talking. That's because we were having a little microphone trouble, but we fixed it. That's the beauty of live radio. We get to uh, learn as we go. So glad to have you with us today on this Friday, June 9th, episode 219. Broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio. Maybe you're listening online through khmg.org. You can listen to our live stream there. You can also download the podcast or at website, khmg.org. Not only this show, but all the shows we produce locally are available via podcast and SoundCloud through that website, khmg.org. Or maybe you're listening on 88.1 FM on the radio dial as you drive around. Maybe you just picked your kids up from summer school or you're running errands, you're on your way home for week the weekend to start. Glad to have you with us today. My name's Jared Baldwin. I've been the host of this show ever since, ever since. Over four years ago, we started this show. And uh, we never thought it would go this long, actually. We've enjoyed uh, 219 episodes of a lot of fun. And we intend to continue two hours every Friday afternoon Live, local, talking variety programming right here at KHMG, Harvest Family Radio. Trying to give you an alternative for your Friday afternoon drive time. If you ever miss part of the show, by the way, you can tune in on Saturdays from noon to 2 and Sunday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. Catch us on The Rebound, noon to 2, Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m., Sunday night. We love having you tune in when you can. Catch us uh, as much of the show as you can. We know a lot of our Listeners can't do two straight hours of listening, but they are able to tune in a little bit here, a little bit there. We rebroadcast the show in its entirety on 88.1 FM and on our live stream from noon to 2 Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday night, just to catch those folks that might only get a little bit of the show here or there. If you want to listen to the whole show, of course, download the podcast through our website, khmg.org. Let us know you're listening. Harvest Family Radio, Guam. Find us on Facebook. Like us. Leave us a message positive message please send us personal note let us know what you think about some of the programs give us ideas for some of the shows we would love to have uh, feedback from you the listeners you know radio sometimes feels a little bit like a one-way communication because we really are just broadcasting out constantly sending out a message but we don't always get feedback there's no computer device that tells us how many people are listening to the radio except for our online stream and so we don't really know how many people are listening We rely heavily on anecdotal evidence. People coming up and telling us, hey, I was listening to your radio show the other day. Hey, I I really like that song you guys had on there. People leaving us notes on Facebook or on our website. So let us know you're listening. We really do appreciate it. It is June 9th, Friday afternoon, if you're listening to the live broadcast. And it is Adopt a Cat Month, which I'm going to talk about cat adoption later. I interviewed a regional expert on cat adoption. She is a cat lover. I will just use her initials, CM, but she loves cats, and she gave me some good info. And as soon as I asked her about why cats, it didn't take any prompting at all. She just gushed about 
why you should love cats. And it's a very interesting discussion. I'll share that with you later. But it is Cat Adoption Month. So it's also Georgia Blueberry Month. The month of June is Georgia Blueberry Month. Great Outdoors Month. International Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. International Men's. International Surf Music. June Dairy. Turkey Lovers. Lemon. Mango. Camping. Candy. Caribbean American Heritage. And many many more things. Now this week, of course, we have some special observances each day. And uh, this week, we're, we just are wrapping up now the Mountaintop Removal Week, end Mountaintop Removal Week, that is. Uh, also, International Clothesline Week and International Listing Week are both wrapping up this weekend. Starting this weekend, National Automotive Service Professional Week, National Flag Week, National Men's Health Week are all happening starting on the 11th. So those are interesting celebrations for this month or observances. And then today is Donald Duck Day. Donald Duck Day. Can you believe that? Uh, International Archives Day. National Strawberry Rhubarb Pie Day. I love that. I wish we could get some of that. Toy Industry Day. Tomorrow's Alcoholics Anonymous Founders Day, Ballpoint Pen Day, Belmont Stakes, the horse race, Herbs and Spices Day, uh, Missing Mutts Awareness Day, Black Cow Day is tomorrow as well, National Iced Tea Day, National Marina Day, and the Queen's Official Birthday is tomorrow. The 11th, Sunday, is Children's Sunday, Corn on the Cob Sunday, Kamehameha Day, Public Holiday in the State of Hawaii, National German Chocolate Cake Day. Ooh, that sounds good. National Cotton Candy Day and World Pet Memorial Day. Most of you, if you've been listening for a while, you start to realize that as I read these different observances, the ones that have to do with desserts that I really like, it really kind of gets me interested. And I start thinking about those desserts like German chocolate cake or strawberry rhubarb pie. It's just been the end of a long week and I'm kind of watching my carbs. And so I haven't got to eat anything like that in a while. Monday is Superman Day. It's also National Peanut Butter Cookie Day and National Jerky Day. Next Tuesday, uh, let's see here, International Albinism Awareness Day, Kitchen Klutzes of America Day, Lobby Day, Sewing Machine Day, Weed Your Garden Day, and World Pet Memorial Day. Next Wednesday, Family History Day, Flag Day is next Wednesday. It's an important day. If you have a flag, make sure you hang it. Uh, Let's see here. National Strawberry Shortcake Day, Pause for the Pledge Day, and the United States Army Birthday. The 15th Global Wind Day, Magna Carta Day, National Career Nurses Assistant Day, uh, National Day of Prayer for Law Enforcement Officers. Uh, Lobster Day is on the 15th. Native American Citizenship Day, Nature Photography Day, Recess at Work Day. I, I like that. And then the 16th, wrapping it up, is uh, Fresh Veggies Day, uh, Ladies Day, National Flip-Flop Day, or Zories as we call them here, National Fudge Day, Ugliest Dog Day. Maybe we'll talk about that on the show next week. We'll find the pictures of the ugliest dogs. (laughs) And uh, I just found out that uh, Flag Day next week, by the way, is also our president, Donald Trump's birthday. Very interesting coincidence. He wasn't born on the 4th of July, but he was born on Flag Day, also the birthday of the United States Army. So that's saying something. Now, 
Before we take a break, because I did take a break earlier, I do want to get into one of my favorite segments, which we've been doing for a few months now. It's called The Buck Stops Here. Words of wisdom from the desks and walls of many a successful people, including but not limited to scholars, theologians, politicians, statesmen, barons of industry. James O'Toole, management guru James O'Toole, the research professor for the Center of Effective Organizations at the University of Southern California, several special assistant and secretary of health, education, welfare, chairman and secretary's task force on work in America, director of USC 20-year forecast project, where he interpreted social, political, and economic change for the top management of 30 of the largest U.S. corporations. O'Toole's research and writings are in the areas of leadership, ethics, corporate culture, and philosophy. Author of more than 70 journal articles and book chapters that stem from his research. He also authored 14 books, which include Vanguard Management, named by Business Week as one of the best business and economic books of 1985. This is the little plaque he has on his desk. Very interesting. The plaque on his desk says this. Don't trust any wisdom or advice that can be distilled down to fit in this little space. Kind of a sarcastic little little desk plaque there. Don't trust any wisdom or advice that can be distilled down to fit in this little space. James O'Toole, professor on leadership. And that is The Buck Stops Here. just love that segment. Now, for some idioms. This book of idioms, the Dictionary of Idioms, to be more specific, it's a scholastic book written by Marvin Turban, or compiled by Marvin Turban. PC, one of our faithful listeners, gave me this book. I believe she's off-island right now, but she's an educator, and she likes idioms, and she heard us talking about them way back with Nick Brown, and so I've been doing idioms ever since. Have you ever heard the idiom, sell like hotcakes? Today at carnivals, circuses, amusement parks, people can buy hot dogs, hamburgers, and ice cream. But in the late 1600s, however, hotcakes or pancakes made on a griddle were the best-selling items at fairs, benefits, and events. By the middle of the 1800s, the expression, selling like hotcakes, was transferred to any product that was being rapidly bought up by the public. It means to sell quickly, effortlessly, and in quantity. Sell like hotcakes. See, there are many people listening right now that did not grow up speaking English, or as they've learned English, they've learned phrases and they kind of know the gist of them, but they don't know where they came from. We're here to help you. Set your teeth on edge. You can find this saying in several places in the Bible. Have you ever bitten on a piece of tinfoil? Oh man, I just got like a little shiver up my spine. Did someone ever scratch his or her fingernails on? This is the worst idiom ever. Scratch your fingernails on the chalkboard while you were close by. You probably felt a sharp, shuddering feeling that made you gnash your teeth together. It means to cause an annoyance or discomfort to someone to set your teeth on edge. I just experienced that. Uh, Settle an old score in the 17th century England. A bill was known as a score. If you settled your score, you paid what you owed in your back bills. The phrase is now applied to clearing up any problem with people, usually by getting even with them for bad things they once did to you. To get back at, to have revenge for past wrongs is to settle an old score. Shake a leg means to hurry up, to go fast, to speed up. Lively American expression from the 1800s is an order to someone who is moving too slowly. When you remain still, your legs are motionless. So when someone tells you to shake a leg, 
That's a command to get going. This expression comes from the Navy. It's a naval expression. Shape up or ship out, speaking of naval expressions. This sharp command was first uttered in the United States Armed Forces during World War II. It meant that a soldier, sailor, or Marine had better conform to regulations and perform his tasks well, shape up, or he would be sent overseas to a combat zone, ship out. After the war, the expression was extended to include any area that demanded improved performance or else. How about this one? The shoe is on the other foot. The shoe is on the other foot. The situation is now the opposite of what it once was. That's what it means. In the mid-19th century, this expression was, the boot is on the other leg. You'd probably be surprised to learn that until the 1800s, there were no left or right boots or shoes. You could put either one on either foot. I did not know that. And if you kept putting the same shoe on the same foot, eventually the shoe would conform to the shape of that foot. If one day you accidentally put the wrong shoe on the wrong foot, the situation would be the opposite of what it had been. In the same way, the boss becomes an employee and the employee becomes a boss, then the shoe is on the other foot. The conditions are reversed. How about a couple more here? Two shooting and one show. Here you go. Shoot from the hip. In the olden days, in the Western gunfighters, it was quicker to shoot your revolver from the side of your hip as soon as you pulled it from the holster than to raise it up high and aim and shoot. So that's what it means. To speak or act without thinking about the consequences. Shoot from the hip. Two more. Shot in the arm. The 1900 idiom originated with drug use involved hypodermic needles. Then the saying meant a short boost or a false hope. A shot of medicine can make someone feel better in the same way. Anything that renews your spirits gives you a boost and inspires, stimulates, or encourages you is like a shot in the arm. Something that lifts your spirits, energy, and confidence. And finally, the show must go on. We practice this every week here. Today, I couldn't get the microphone to work. You know what? The show must go on. The idea that you shouldn't let anything interrupt your big plans, no matter what misfortune happens. Uh, it originated from stave, stage performances. William Shakespeare wrote a play out the play. He wrote play out the play in one of his works. And it has been a tradition in show business to put on the performance, even if the lead actor is sick or the scenery has fallen down in the 20th century, this theatrical determination was transferred to anything in life that has to take place no matter what. The show must go on. The proceedings must continue. Regardless of any catastrophe or difficulty, nothing can stop what has been planned. And that is our idiom game for the day. We Love to play a few idioms for you. Now, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I have some special guests doing some special things as we talk about special stuff on our special show. I'm your special host, Jared Baldwin. This is Live Till 5, 325 p.m. on Friday afternoon, June 6th. Stick around for more Live Till 5. Back with a little more live till five. Joining the studio with our regular co-host Lawrence Nagengast. How are you doing, Lawrence? Good, real good. That that yawn is uh, exemplary of the day I had. Sorry, today. I hit you at the wrong wrong. No, time it's there. all right. I 
just getting settled in here. That's all right. Master's class completed. Yeah, master's class completed yesterday, and so uh, I decided to take one of my days of vacation today. And uh, so that's where that yawn was. Okay. I uh, haven't done a that's whole good. lot um, as far as work at the school here. I don't so. blame you. Your wife's here slaving away and you're at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's going to have her vacation later. She's going to her brother's sure. wedding in September. Oh, so yeah, yeah. she's got to save her vacation days and, and I'm I not you. going. So I got you. Yeah. We're good, man. Well, we're also joined in studio by one of our faithful listeners. Many of you know him as CW, but his real name is Christopher Wolseley III Esquire. Is that, am I exaggerating on that? That's close enough. Okay, all right. Now, Chris and I were having a little discussion um, during the break about idioms because he said we should start having idioms that everyone would understand. But Chris has some pretty interesting idioms because of his Irish and Australian background. And he says things that sometimes I have no idea what he means. Last week, Chris texted me when we were talking about idioms. He talked about uh, crook as a dog, right? Crook as a dog. Crook as a dog. Now, I've... uh, Heard crooked is a dog's leg, which means kind of deceitful or whatever. But explain to our listeners what crook as a dog means and where do you think the idiom came from? What's its origin? Well, crook as a dog basically means that you're sick. Okay. So crook in Australia is another word for someone being sick. Okay. Now, I've heard that. Like every time I go fishing, basic deep sea fishing, I get sick as a dog. So it's crook as a dog. Crook as a dog. Ah, okay. All right. Well, and then uh, what was the... Rat's tooth one you just said, too. What was that? (laughs) (laughs) As flash as a rat's gold tooth. As flash as a rat's gold tooth. And what does that mean exactly? Well, basically, that means uh, it's a description of a person that uh, on the outside, they look pretty flash. But uh, inwardly, uh, we call in Australia, we call them dodgy. Dodgy. And they're they're people that you want to try and stay away from. Okay, like the artful dodger, like uh, like uh, from uh, Oliver Twist, um, or Oliver, yeah, Oliver Twist, yeah, the artful dodger. Okay, I get it. I I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. So, flash as a rat's gold tooth. I'm just trying to picture when would there ever be a rat with a gold tooth? But maybe it's referring to a person that you would call a rat that has a gold tooth. Maybe there you go. So, any other uh, unique idioms that you guys use that that we would not typically uh, think of here? Well, actually, we have a boatload. I mean, well, that's one right there, boatload. We don't say that very much either. One that comes to mind immediately is beyond the black stump. Beyond the black stump. Okay, uh, Lawrence, you're a world traveler. <laughs> what, what does he mean by beyond the black stump? Um, I don't know. Black stump is either it's rotten or it's been burnt, and it probably has nothing to do with either of those things. Um, beyond the, probably it's what your dad, you know, it's not a place you should find yourself. Yeah. Know. So we're not, it, it has a connotation that it's, it's something negative, negative, obviously. Um, and if you're beyond it, maybe you're, uh, ear, you know, unredeemable. So beyond the black stump must mean that you're so messed up. There's no, no hope bringing you back. Is that what it means? Absolutely not. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, what Lawrence, does he mean? Lawrence actually was pretty close. Really? When we're talking about a black stump, um, uh, this is in reference to the outback in Australia, which basically has no people out there, full of bush. And uh, when there's a fire, the fire burns un, uh, uncontrollably. 
So it'll just keep burning and burning until it burns itself out. So yeah. the black stump is like the very last uh, stump that's been burnt. So when you go beyond the black stump, you're like got going it. on beyond civilization because there's it. nothing out there. Okay. All right. I, I got you now. I got you now. So, all right. Hey, Sebastian, would you go out there and tell our guests that we will bring him in at 4 o'clock? We have a special guest coming in second hour, and it's a musical guest. It's going to be really awesome. So, and uh, now I have Chris Wolseley here. He's kind of our wingman for today. And uh, one of the reasons I want to bring him in is because I'm going to do a little quiz with you guys. We're going to turn the tables, which is an idiom. We're turning the tables, and I'm going to conduct the quiz today of Sebastian Chris because he brings this international flavor to the discussion, and Lawrence because he's such a scholar, a man of letters. And uh, so especially just working on his master's degree this week, so his brain is totally engaged. But it also looks like uh, Sebastian provided us some drinks. Now, although the hub is... You know what? The hub might have made these for us. I'm not sure. But uh, Sebastian's basically provided a what's in my coffee game for us today, even though this is not directly from the hub. The hub was not open this afternoon. But this is probably a good time just to mention that this segment's been brought to us by Hebrews Worldwide Coffee Shop and Bookstore, the best little coffee shop on Guam, offering an endless variety of coffees, teas, baked goods, Christian music, books, and gifts. You know, as I read this, I got to think about maybe I need to modify this a little bit because they don't really have an endless variety of all those things. They have an endless variety of some things, but I digress. Anyway, they have a decent size collection of small Yankee candles shrinking by the day. I do like it a lot. I go there every day. They're open from 7.30 to noon uh, this summer at the Hub. Now, let's play a little what's in my coffee now sebastian any special instructions on this before we get started i have the paper i haven't looked at it yet yes very special do not choke on the drink do not choke Choking on it is bad okay that that would be we don't want to have to do the heimlich here okay so we are all we are all drinking cold drinks are in these clear cups they all are brightly colored kind of citrusy colored mm. and uh we're all taking sips right now Ooh, ah, and I'm our listening audience. You guys get to enjoy us try to describe these drinks to you. Now, did these come from the hub? These came from the hub. Um, oh wow, great! I, I refrigerated them and I mixed them together for you guys, and because uh, each of them had a little wow. flavor in them. Wow! And I uh, I had to flee off some vultures out there who were running some. Oh yeah, okay. I, I got it though. I protected yes. the drinks. I did my job. Yes, great. Well, thank you. <laughs> you 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 did a, did a fine job, Sebastian. <laughs> Now, um, as we take a sip, the way we do this, Chris, have you ever played this game with us before? Well, I've listened to you guys play it many times. Okay, all right. <laughs> and I was kind of, I thought, awesome, I'm going to come here today and get myself a free fluffy drink, but uh, <laughs> these don't look quite fluffy. This is not fluffy. <laughs> so we're going to, we'll come start back with Lawrence. In the, in the school year when the hub's open in the afternoon. Yes, Lawrence is the drink whisperer. So he's going <laughs> to describe his drink and probably predict exactly what his is, plus by looking at the color of yours. They'll tell you what yours is. But, Lawrence, <laughs> what does yours taste like? Yours has a, a funny color. Yeah, it's a little bit more of a peachy color. I think, I, I know it's calamansi in there, but I can't, I think it's all going to be calamansi drinks with a different add-in. Mm. And um, See, how do you know that? You just know it by looking at the cups? Yeah, looking, yeah, they're all fruit splashes with wow. no ice in it. Um. I can't really actually put my finger on the other flavor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess strawberry because if I had to guess, that's kind of what I do is strawberry mm-hmm. calamansi. It is good. 
So whatever it is, I would yeah. Uh, yep. um, I would get it again. Kind of a but um, between I, peach and strawberry yeah. colored. I think it's I think it's uh, strawberry calamansi. Strawberry calamansi. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Sebastian, how about yours? All right. Number well, three on the. Cup. I actually have no idea. I didn't look at the paper. I just mixed it all together. So, um, but I would have to say this is the mango mansi. Oh. I, I feel that it is, and I, I think we've had it on the show before. Yes. And if I if my taste memory is correct, it is the mango mansi. Now, how would you describe that color of that drink? Oh, the color is kind of like a mango. Mm. It's maybe not a little light yellow. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, a sure. watered down mango. Yeah, sure. There you yeah. go. There you That's go. fine. I, I believe you. Okay. All right. So, a mango Monsi, strawberry Monsi. Uh, Chris Wosley, uh, describe what your drink looks like first because our listening audience, you know, they, they, they thrive on, you know, the visual description. So this means I get to critique uh, Sebastian's drink here? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I was expecting a little, a little bit more ice in it. Yeah. <laughs> Crushed ice. Uh, no, but seriously, it's, um, uh, well, I, just looking at it, I'd call it the green flash. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I obviously can taste the calamansi, but I think there's a bit of lime in there as well. Mm. Mm. Wow. So two kinds of lime. It's a, it's a very limey drink. Which is there you kind go, of yeah. kind of funny because uh, you're the limiest person here right now. So, <laughs> 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 all right, and I am I have a I'm taking a little sip of one. I'm kind of on a diet, so I shouldn't be drinking like a you know two pints of, of sugar. Uh, sugar water here. But it definitely has a calamansi flavor. This tastes like straight up just like a calamansi lemonade to me. So. For our listeners, oh, and uh, color-wise, the color of my drink would be like a translucent uh, lemonade color, uh, similar to the color of, um, oh boy, you know, uh, a volcanic sunset maybe, or uh, Los Angeles sky on a high UV day. Anyway. It's a, it's like a, a dark yellow milky color. Let's see here. Uh, I have who has drink number one, Lawrence. You're drinking a watermelon Monsi. Ooh, watermelon. That's hard to say. Watermelon Monsi. Uh, who has number two? Ooh, out. I have a coconut Monsi. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Bamboozled. Yeah, Old. you put the lime in the <laughs> coconut uh, and drink it all up. Uh, number three is a peach Monsi. Oh no. Yep, peach. <laughs> I don't know my fruits. And four. Again, so ironic. All the the, the hits just keep coming. Uh, kiwi Monsi. I know you're not a kiwi, That's what but I was gonna you know, guess you're that. from that region. Australia is just a small island off the coast of New Zealand, anyway, uh. right? <laughs> 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 I heard a kiwi say that one time. Someone got him mixed up for an Australian. He goes, "No, Australia is just a small island off the coast of New Zealand." So, yeah, no comment. Yeah, we're on radio. Yes, that's right. Okay, well, hey, Sebastian, thanks for pulling all that together, and listeners, thanks for being patient with us. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I have a little quiz for these guys, and I think the quiz is going to be particularly interesting because the different accents. And cultural backgrounds. I think it's going to make this quiz even more interesting. So stick around, listeners. You're listening to Live Till 5. It's 3.39 p.m. on Friday, June 9th. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. Episode 219. More Live Till 5 after this short break.
And we're back with a little more live till five. It is Friday afternoon, June 9th, 3.42 p.m. On this 219th episode of Live Till Five. Again, if you ever miss part of the show, tune in noon to two Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday nights. Catch us on The Rebound, where we rebroadcast the show in its entirety, all two hours of it, on 88.1 FM or through khmg.org on our website. You can stream it there. You can also download the podcast of this show and many other excellent locally produced programs, Building Great Leaders, Living Redemptively, uh, Harvest Time, Harvest Echoes, uh, and other programs as well. So make sure you check out our website, khmg.org. Now, we're going to play a little game. I have Lawrence, Sebastian, and Chris all here. We have we have plenty of time for this. This is a pronunciation quiz, and this all came off of something that one of uh, someone that should listen more, but she almost never listens because she's afraid I'm going to say something embarrassing. I won't give her name, but <laughs> TB or her initials. But she <laughs> sent me this uh, article day about a certain number of words that you might be mispronouncing. You've been saying them your whole life. Well, from there, I went and looked for more, and I came up with quite the quiz here, uh, 20 words that you're definitely mispronouncing. So I'm not going to say the words. I'm just going to have each of these guys pronounce the words and uh, we'll, what we'll do is we'll always let Lawrence go first, Sebastian go second, and Chris go third. Then it'll just always be the same. So, Lawrence, hold on. I need to keep score here. So, I got uh, Lawrence, Sebastian, and Chris. There we go. We want to make it scientific. Okay. Lawrence, how do you pronounce that first word? Asai. Okay. Sebastian? Yes. I was going to say that. You um, can say the same. I mean, you can agree, disagree. I agree. A sigh. Okay. And Chris, what do you think? Well, I'd like to have a little bit more emphasis on the I. So I'd, I would say a Chris is right. Nah. It's a sigh. The last, the last um, syllable, the, the emphasis goes on the last syllable there. Okay. How about the next word? Lawrence. Applicable. Okay. How about you, Sebastian? Applicable. Uh, okay, all right. <laughs> and Chris. <laughs> I've got to agree with Lawrence. So you have to say it, though. <laughs> Applicable. Okay. You guys actually all got it wrong. It's Sebastian, no no uh, surprise there. It's <laughs> applicable. App is the, uh, it's like the app on your phone. So it's not applicable, where plick is the main, the emphasis is on app. Okay, third. That's why it's on the list. That's well, that all depends where you're from. No, it depends on whether or not you're conducting the quiz. <laughs> all right, Lawrence, third word. Arctic. Okay. Arctic. Okay. Arctic. You guys all got it right there. There you go. Yeah, it yeah, is. Was, people forget about that souls. first. People forget about that first C sometimes. Okay. Arctic. Here you go, Lawrence. Next word. Cash. Okay. Catch. Okay. Well, I think it's missing one of those little scribble things on the E, so I say cachet. Okay. Well, let me give you the uh, the actual phrase that came with this quiz here. No, it is not a sneaky French word. The tendency to say cachet stems from the similar-looking cachet, C-A-C-H-E-T, which means prestige, while cache refers to storage or hiding place. So, Lawrence and Sebastian got that right. You, you said catch. Point. Oh, no, Sebastian did not get it right. Oh, come on. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Self-policing on this one. Okay, yeah. next one, Lawrence. Either. Okay. Either. 
Ho there? Either. <laughs> What'd you say? Either. Either? I don't okay. Know. I'm trying to spice it up, man. <laughs> well, it depends if you're American or Australian. Okay. If you're American, I'd say either. Okay. <laughs> if you're Australian, I'd say either. Okay. All right. You know what? You all get it right. It, you can use either I or either. Either. So where either, I'm from, either, we say either. either. But uh, either or either. There. Okay. Next one. Lawrence, I've heard you actually say this one wrong before. <laughs> no pressure. Sweet preface. <laughs> uh, I don't want to go first now. Uh, February. What? No, wrong one. Totally no, wrong. You skipped. Totally wrong. Oh, espresso. No, he okay. wrong. All right, espresso. Okay. I know. I've said espresso <laughs> he up here. It. Yes, yes, you have. Yes, you have. Okay. I'm gonna go All with right. a solid espresso. Okay. All right. And uh, Chris, what about you? Well, there's no X in it. That is correct. So espresso. Espresso. All right. I'll, I'll give it to even though I know Sebastian <laughs> would have said it right. We'll give you all the point there. Okay. Right. Hold on. I'm trying to keep scoring. Conduct a radio show and everything all at the same time and balance my checkbook in between. Okay, here you go. Uh, Lawrence, what's the next one there? February. Okay, and uh, how about uh, you, Sebastian? February. Okay. February. Chris gets it correct. It's Feb- February. That's you don't want to forget that other R there. It's uh, it's an important part. It's in there for a reason. Okay, Is next one. an R or an R? It's a, it's a R. <laughs> really? Okay, Lawrence. February. February. That's wordy. They should cut the R. Um, <laughs> is this talking I'll, I'll about pa- the... I'll pass on your concerns to the yeah. people who make the <laughs> names this, of the months. Is this the football player, or is this um, a, a spelling without the accent on the E? Because Matt Forte is, is the last Like name. music. Like, think music. Oh, yeah, Forte. Forte. Okay. Forte. I've never heard of Max Forte before. Okay. Matt. Matt. Yeah. But Forte. Okay. All right. You all get it right. That's that's close enough. There's more than one way to pronounce it. You guys got it. Okay. Next one. Oh, man. I'd probably say gala. <laughs> you skipped one again. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Under did Forte. You? Is gala. Is gala. Did What's you? that one right there? What? Foyer. You don't we have don't that have one. that on our sheet. You don't have it on your sheet? No. Whoa. Okay. Well. <laughs> Don't worry about that one then. Okay. Yeah, go back to that one again. What what was the G A L A? Gala. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with Gala. All right. Gala. Okay. <laughs> Here's where an AY sound comes in handy. If you're attending a fancy ball, it isn't a gala. It's a gala. There you go. Okay. Now, next. I have electoral. Electoral, go for it. Okay. Electoral. Say it again. Electoral. Okay. All right, Sebastian. Electoral. Okay. <laughs> wow, you are really fresh to our Man, country. I know how to okay. say it. Okay, and Chris. <laughs> Electoral. Okay, the emphasis is on lek, not tor. So oh. I think Chris came the closest to saying it the way the queen would say I said elect. No, but no, but yeah, then Come you on. added in all that other <laughs> stuff. All right, next one. Mischievous. Okay. Mischievous. Okay. Mischievous. Okay. Now, you each almost got it right. It's actually, uh, it's mischievous. Wait, I think that is what Lawrence said it, now that you say that. Not mischievous. There's no 
I at it the end. It doesn't sound mischievous. And it's it's not chi. It's not mischievous, or not, not mischievous because chi is not the emphasis. It's miss. So Lawrence got that. The score right now is six for Lawrence, four for Sebastian, <laughs> the recent college graduate, and seven for Chris. Okay, continue. Uh, nuclear. Okay. Nuclear. Okay. Nuclear. Okay. You all got that right. It is not nuclear, like uh, President George W. Bush used to say, but uh, it is nuclear. new, nuclear. Okay. There you go. Next. Often. Okay. Often. Okay. Often. You all got it wrong. Often. Although it says, we've heard this said both ways. For good news, but good news for lazy people. The T is definitely silent. That's what I thought was wrong. Often, oh. often in this in this one case, hmm. weird. I okay, continue. Guts. I never say it with a T. I just did for the show, but uh, well, when you read I it, I ended up big... getting backfired on that. There. <laughs> uh, realtor. Okay. Realtor. Okay. <laughs> realtor. It is realtor, Chris. <laughs> That's just it's how like it you're sounds. from a country where that where English He's actually just is. I would have said realtor, realtor, but I say realtor. Yep, no, it's not realtor. Yeah. That is actually it says what we've been saying is realtor. How it actually says realtor. This is another victim of the traveling vowel in our brains because this word is pronounced exactly how it is spelled. Fun side fact: it's a proper noun, meaning only members of the National Association of Realtors can hold the title. Interesting. Can I? Mm. I a Canadian accent there. A at a at the yeah, end. Yeah, I not said Canadian. realtor. A. No, no, no. That is not <laughs> count at all. Okay, next, Lawrence. Uh Sherbert. Oh wait, wait, wait. Yeah, that's a different no. word. No, uh, you're right. Yeah, you're you're on the right word. How do you oh, pronounce okay. it? Uh Sherbert. Okay. All right, Sebastian. Shabbat. Okay. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Sherbet. <laughs> sure, bay. Okay. Not sticking an extra R in there may make this dessert sound a little too foofy, but at least it's not a snobby and snobby as sorbet. So it's not sherbet. Okay. It's sherbet. Sherbet, which none of you actually said it Nobody. quite that way. Sherbet. Sherbet. It's definitely not sherbert, although that's what sherbet. we say back where I'm from. Mm, me too. But we add R's in everything, like washing, like we wash our clothes too. So, okay, continue. We're almost done. Zoology. Okay. All right. Sebastian. Zoology. Okay. And Chris? Zoology. Okay. I think Sebastian and Chris got those correct. I don't know where you got zoology from. I mean, I guess it does look like zoology. Tempting to pronounce the study of animals that start with zoo sound, but it's not actually right. It's z- Oh, wait. No, no, no. You guys did not get it right. I had to read the instructions. Stop messing with my feelings. It's zoology. Zoology. Sorry. Man. Okay. Next one. Rowling. As in J.K., mm-hmm. author. Okay. All right, Sebastian. Reeling. J.K. Rowling. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. I got you there. Okay, Chris. J.K. Rowling. Okay. J.K. Rowling has come out and said the beginning of her last name is pronounced like a rowing a boat. Okay. So, Rowling. All right. And then we got two more left here. Three. Three more left. Yes, three more left. Go ahead. Seuss. Okay. Seuss. Okay. Chris? Dr. Seuss. Yes. Okay. Now, this is very interesting. Mind-blowing. Theodore Seuss Geisel 
took his pen name from his middle name, which is taken from his mom's maiden name. He added the doctor because his dad wanted him to go into medicine, and he liked Dr. Pepper. Uh, but his mom's maiden name, Soyce, rhymed with voice. The author's pal, Alexander Liang, even took a leaf out of Soyce's book, writing a poem about how to say his name right. You're wrong as the deuce, and you shouldn't rejoice. If you're calling him Seuss, he pronounces it Soyce or Zois. Hmm, that's ridiculous. There you go. My child. All right. Ruined. Now, finally, number 19. Jif. No, no, Lollapalooza. Oh, oh, wow. Come on, man. Lollapalooza. Okay, all right. <laughs> Sebastian? Lollapalooza. Yes. Chris? Lollapalooza. I think both are correct, actually. Lollapalooza. I just want to see if you get your R's and your L's mixed up, which you don't. But this was one of those uh, shibboleths in World War II for people who couldn't pronounce their R's mm-hmm. from Asian countries. Okay, and then finally, the last one, number 20. This is the big one. Jif. Okay, what do you think, Sebastian? Um, it should be pronounced GIF because of the graphics is is the first letter, graphics. Mm-hmm. But the, I remember the creators originally came, just came out recently and said it's a GIF. So what's your answer? GIF. GIF? Yeah. Okay, like the peanut butter. Okay. Yep. Chris, what do you think? Graphics information format. Mm-hmm. So how do you pronounce the abbreviation of it? Jif. Jif. So you all said Jif. Well, here it is. Let me let me tell you here that um, the its most natural, logical way to pronounce it is GIF. And here is, this is why. It's the logical pronunciation. Every word that starts with G and ends with a vowel and, and then an F is pronounced with a hard G. For example, gaff, gift, guff, guffaw, okay? And uh, gift is the closest word to gif. What about Jen, Jemmy, Jem, Geo, and Gel? Well, those are good examples. They come from other languages, like Gem comes from Gemma, the Latin, which is jewel, things like that. Uh, Jen comes from Juniper, which begins with the J, so that, of course that starts with the J. And then the G in GIF stands for Graphic Interchange Format, which is a hard G word. And then the only reason why there's any controversy about this is the creator Mr. Wilhite, uh, the guy who invented the GIF, said he got a Webby Award for a GIF, for the GIF. Uh, he says he pronounced it GIF, but basically the the interweb says that it is GIF is the best pronunciation. So the final score of this little game: eight for Lawrence, six for Sebastian, and ten for Chris Wolseley. And I don't mean to sound surprised, but Hey, wow. I mean, who would know that someone from the United Kingdom would speak better English than us blokes here? You know, we, we, we thought we had it mastered, but Chris, you dominated that game with 10 points. You made Sebastian look like a schoolboy. You dominated that Jame. <laughs> that Jame. Oh, there you go. I got you. I see what you did there. Well, we have about two minutes before the top of the hour. Then we're going to come back with uh, This Day in History right after the top of the hour. But what are you guys doing this weekend? Sebastian? Yeah. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, like a binge watching? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Extended like, edition. So how how many are there's like three, six, it's like seven movies? How, how, no, no, no. Four movies? Oh, sorry. Movies? This is just the original trilogy. Oh, the original trilogy. Extended, yeah. Ah, okay. So how many hours of uh, viewing enjoyment would that be? That's like 
nine hours around there. Wow. Wow. Okay. But, Great. Yeah. And Lawrence, what are you doing this weekend? Um Yeah, I don't I don't know. I gotta <laughs> finish a project for that master's class. When you get that done, you'll be totally done with the class? Yeah. Nice. Um other than that, that's about it. We gotta continue to get our house ready. We're having oh, a yeah, family, family. Out in a couple weeks. Rolling in. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna be uh, hanging pictures and shelves. All weekend long, I can tell you already. I already st- we already started. <laughs> so. Chris, what are you doing this weekend? Well, I am flat out like a lizard drinking with work. Okay. But flat out like a lizard drinking. There's another <laughs> idiom that I think I know what you mean. There's a little cricket match going on tomorrow night. So wow. I plan at least trying to catch that in between lots of work. Okay. A little cricket match. So it's going to be broadcast like on... ESPN, BBC, something like that? Uh, uh, not quite. If we're in Australia or England, it'd be live on TV, but I'm going to have to find it on, on the internet. Online, okay. Australia's playing England. Wow. It's called the uh, ICC Champions Trophy. Wow. The uh, eight best cricketing nations in the world playing in a one-day tournament. Wow. They can get it all done in one day? Well, it's uh, one game played in one day. Okay, okay. So wow. that's, they're playing it over a period of about, I think, two to three weeks. Wow, wow. Cool. Okay, great. Well, listeners, we're going to be back after the top of the hour. This is Jared Baldwin, host of Live Till 5, episode 219. You're listening on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. Stick around for SRN News. back with a little more live till five it's our second hour of this 219th episode of live till five friday june 9th 404 p.m here at the khmg studios broadcasting high atop the campus of harvest ministries from the worldwide headquarters of harvest family radio khmg 88.1 fm maybe you're listening on the radio dial we're way down the bottom the left side of the dial and uh beautiful stereo signal for over 21 years broadcasting beautiful Christian music and Bible-based programming 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Glad we could be with you today. You can also listen online, khmg.org. You can download the podcasts. You can listen to the stream. You can download podcasts of other great programs that we produce here as well. The guys here work really hard to come up with content that's going to be edifying to you as a Christian and help build you up in your walk with Christ. Now, we have regular segments of this show. And one of the most regular people I know is Lawrence Nagengast. Lawrence, welcome back for the second hour as we have a little This Day in History. It is June 9th. What happened this day in history? Okay, we're going to go all the way back to uh, 68 AD uh, where the Roman Emperor Nero actually committed suicide this day, imploring his uh, secretary, Paphroditus, to slit his throat to evade a Senate-imposed death by flogging. And uh, there was no question that the Senate, when they put their mind to it, could mean business. Uh, of course, it was Julius Caesar who was killed by them. Uh, it had been a while before. There had been three emperors in between, but nonetheless, it had been done. And uh, so, this day, Nero committed suicide. Uh, 1534, uh, Jacques Cartier uh, first sails into the mouth of the St. Lawrence River. Uh, he'll explore all the way down pretty much to Niagara Falls. 
won't get a whole lot further than that. Um, but he'll be the first, uh, the re- main reason why the French are going to settle in Canada, cities like Montreal, Toronto, uh, other cities like that will be French, um, is because of, of Cartier coming in here at this early um, in the game of exploration. 1908, King Edward VII of Great Britain visits Tsar Nicholas II at Revel, Russia, where the two discussed the growing power of Germany and the British plans for reform in Macedonia. Uh, again, this is five years before we're going to break out into into World War One, and uh, Nicholas II is <coughs> Nicholas II's pretty much the main main reason Russia was um, a threat at all in either war because he brought them. Um, in some ways, dragged them forward into being relevant in the world at that time. And um, part of that is getting in discussions with the British like there uh, before World War One got going. 1915, William Jennings Bryan quits as U.S. Secretary of State. Um, the only reason I like that note is uh, he was actually a society at Bob Jones. Uh, Bryan was a society named mm. after him. 1915, U.S. US President Woodrow Wilson sends second Lusitania note to Germany protesting sinking of the Lusitania and refusing German claim um, British blockade illegal. So uh, Wilson did um, probably all in his power to stay out of the war, but when when that ship went down and then there was those, um, I can't think of the telegraph name, of that was found about Germany promising the southwestern portion of the United States to Mexico if they joined in and began attacking the U.S. But basically, between those two things, the Lusitania and those notes, America really didn't have a choice um, of whether or not to go into the war or not. 1931, first rocket-powered aircraft designed, patented by Robert Goddard. Uh, so that rocket engine's already back in the 1940s. Uh, 1940, <laughs> anytime I have a chance to bring this guy up. I do. General Charles de Gaulle's first meeting with Winston Churchill was today in 1940. Charles de Gaulle. Charles de Gaulle. We've always, um, we've actually talked about him quite a bit over uh, up up here in in various and sundry yes. different ways mm-hmm. and facts and things. I always crave like French fries, French toast, <laughs> stuff like that. When you mention Charles de Gaulle, I'm not sure why. Uh, 1954. Joseph Welch asked U.S. Senator Joseph McCarthy, "Have you no sense of decency, sir?" During Senate Army hearings, uh, Joseph McCarthy McCarthy was um, him and his wife basically um, were on communist. I don't want to call it witch hunts, but they are basically indicting everybody as communists, and then the Senate or the people would be investigated. And hey, if you know ten people were not and one people was, well, at least we caught the one. But it was putting a lot of embarrassment, a lot of pressure on people who really had no business having that kind of pressure uh, just because they were they were sort of concerned that there was a, a communist or two in the American government. Um, the last couple things here, I, I always try to end with a decently positive note. We appreciate um, that. Yeah, well, we've had days in here where the last things said are um, rather sad. Yeah. Um, and actually today... Um, There's no good news. Not really. I, I mean, you have. So we're ending on Joseph McCarthy and his. Well, his, you have the U.S. President Barack Obama officially endorses Hillary Clinton as the Democratic presidential nominee. Let's go back to McCarthy. <laughs> we could do that. Uh, Chris Heston, uh, two years ago of San Francisco Giants, becomes the first pitcher to throw a no hitter in the 2015 MLB season. Okay, we'll take you that. Can be it's warmed obscure. And filled with that, that it's is obscure. obscure. 
but it's well, positive. another one on here was the Zika virus, and then there was one about CO two gas. Oh boy, no, so, no, no, we yeah. we don't need that. We we'll get, we don't we'll need that. That just brings us down before the weekend starts. So, right. <laughs> well, Lawrence, enjoy uh, getting the house ready for the in laws and oh, the outlaws yeah. that ending. are coming to visit, and uh, right. we'll see you next week. Yeah, all we'll right, be back. listeners, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, my special guest, Larry Moyer. And his trumpet, Matilda. Actually, I don't know if his trumpet has a name or not, but uh, we'll find out. I'm sure he'll tell us after this short break. You're listening to Live Till 5 on KHMG, 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. It's 4, 11 p.m. on Friday, June 9th, if you're listening to the live broadcast. You can also catch us on the weekend, noon to 2 Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. Catch us on the rebound on 88.1 FM or khmg.org. Stick around. More Live Till 5 after this short break. with a little more live till five the moment i've been waiting for today to be able to introduce you to our special guest in the second hour my good friend i've known him a long time actually he used to kind of come back to guam periodically now he's been on guam for an extended period of time my good friend larry moyer larry you brought your trumpet with you today i'm so glad you came on the show today i even started with a little uh, trumpet music for for your intro there i love it so now, uh, Larry, before I have you play, before I have you play, I just wanted to get a little background here. Some of our listeners know who your wife is because I've had her on the show a couple times for uh, Faith Bookstore, Barb Moyer. And uh, you, you have kids and grandkids on Guam. And uh, tell me, when did you first come to Guam? 1986. 1986. What were you doing in 1986? I was working in a little church with the Hensons. Oh, yes. Uh, at uh, <laughs> Senahanya. Oh, yes. Okay. So we stayed for two years, and then we went back to the island, uh, back to uh, the Annapolis, and then uh, a year after that, we came back and, and ran the Christian Servicemen Center yes. on the cliff for 12 yes. years. Wow. Wow. And then we, after we retired from that, we went back and forth every year to see kids here. Right, and back right. There. But now we're here for good. Wow. Till the wow. rapture comes, I'm out of here. Sure, sure. Well, If it happens it, now, you can have the horn. There, okay, I won't be here to use it, so we'll, we'll leave that for the next guy. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> so now uh, you have, you, you're involved in some musical, uh, I mean, you've been playing music since you were a kid, I imagine, right? right? When did you first start playing the trumpet? 1949. Wow. But, and, I, but I took piano five years before that. Wow, do you think that helped you with uh, understanding oh, music? Definitely, I tell and young people start on the piano, and you can always yeah. branch off to sure, another instrument. Sure, sure. Now you're involved with the territorial Guam Territorial Concert Band. Yes, sir. And you are also volunteering at the USO. Uh, now, at the USO, you play your trumpet down there sometimes. I'm the official trumpet player for the USO in Guam. Okay. You know why they have me? Because I'm good and I'm free. There you go. You're the right <laughs> price. That's great. That's great. Now, uh, you mentioned here on your note to me that uh, there's a need for some musicians with the Guam Territorial Band. What yes. does that involve? Like, how, how much do you guys practice? What kind of music do you play? 
Well, I'm here mainly to help keep the concert band alive. Mm -hmm. And uh, we meet on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights at the new museum. At the oh, new museum. Oh, wow. Yeah, from, from like 6, 6.15 to 8.30. And uh, sometimes they chase us out and we have to go to a different room. But uh, uh, we have good musicians. We've already had good leadership. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, we have two, uh, two doctors <laughs> who teach at the University of Guam. And I call one Dr. Bob, and I call the other one Dr. Uh, Ross. And the reason I call them doctors is because they're not nurses. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> now, what kind of music does the Guam Territorial Band play, and what type of events do you perform at? Okay, we play marches, John Philip Sousa, and we do overtures. We do a lot of Christmas music because we play uh, Christmas concerts at some of the hotels on Hotel Row. Okay. And uh, we have a pretty good band. We have young people. I'm the oldest guy. I'm 81. And uh, Well, that's not old. No, no. It's just getting in there. But <laughs> we have young people that are really excellent. And, uh, and we have good leadership. And uh, it doesn't change our income tax thing either because we don't get paid. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's a relief off everyone's mind. At least they don't have to worry about waiting for that pesky, you know, right, uh, the uh, W-2. Yeah, sure. So now uh, you brought your trumpet today. Now this trumpet has an interesting story. I heard you telling the guys, uh, you know, it looks like a beautiful brass trumpet to me. Where did you get that? About, about three years ago, they called me from the Navy thrift store because they know I play trumpet. And said, Mr. Moyer, a trumpet came in. Would you come down and look at it and tell us what you think? So I looked at it put my mouthpiece in there and played a couple of notes and I said it works he said you can have it for five dollars wow I said thank you very much and I took it and went home wow and I've wow. been playing it for three years wow now uh when it comes to instruments I mean obviously a five dollar trumpet does it play just like a five hundred dollar trumpet a five thousand dollar trumpet I mean is there a you can probably tell the difference. I mean, you've played oh, yeah. so many instruments over the years. So, Well, well I sold my Bach trumpet last year for $2,000. Whoa. And it was a very old instrument. And I really had to get rid of it because it was getting pits in mm -hmm. the metal. Sure. But they said, if you do anything, you lose the value. Sure. So I gave it to this company in Baltimore, Maryland. And they, I think they sold it to somebody in Switzerland. Maybe, maybe he yodels in the horn. I don't know. <laughs> but, but we do a lot of overtures. I'm the... Uh, Christmas soloist? I should say holiday. You can't say Christmas. Oh, anymore. no. We say, say Christmas holiday. here. Yeah. Sometimes I'd say Merry Christmas. Yes, sure. Ah. You've even played with our uh, Harvest Christian Academy I have. Uh, before for some of these events. Yep. That's wonderful. And they have a good band. Yeah. And they have a good leader, too. Uh, Andrew uh, really surprised me. The first time I saw him was at a rehearsal at the Territorial Band. I see this young fellow back there. He's playing all this percussion instruments. I thought, wow, where did they get this guy, you know? Then I find out he's a piano major. <laughs> yes, yes. So he's an excellent musician. Yes, he is. He's a, he's a great guy and great mentor to those uh, young musicians. So ne Next time I come, I bring him up here and snare drum. Oh, there you go. Great. Now, you're prepared to play some uh, patriotic yes, music for us today. We have Flag Day coming up next yes, week. Yes, sir. And, uh, of course, we have... Uh, we just celebrated Memorial Day, a day to remember those that have given their lives in service for their country. And then we're looking forward to Independence Day coming up in just a few weeks. And, and then, of course, we're Liberation doing a concert on the, on the 4th of July, too. Where will that be at? At a hotel. We're not sure which one yet. Okay. Okay. 
All right. Well, we, we'll try and promote that. Once once you find out where, I'll promote that. And then, of course, the Liberation Day. Do you guys uh, do something with the parade or anything like that? Somebody mentioned something about marching, but at, at 81, yeah. I don't march anymore. Well, at, at uh, 44, I don't do much marching either, honestly. <laughs> so especially uh, in Guam, in the humidity, that would be really rough. But, uh, well, hey, I'm excited to hear some of this music. So uh, I will run the board here okay. and uh, make sure that this comes across our, our airwaves beautifully. And uh, you play the music, and I might make a few comments on okay. which anthem you're playing at the time. Okay, but the first thing I'll do is that um, you're a grand old flag. Sure. And the, and the ending of this song is special just for the guys in the band. Okay. okay. All right. All right. You go ahead. part was for the trombone oh yeah that sounded like uh you were going into you were playing a different instrument there for a while that was beautiful that's beautiful so before you go into playing some of these other anthems here uh why do you like uh, i mean because you've stuck with this you're 81 years old why what is it about playing the trumpet that is that's so much fun for you well here in the concert band uh we have some young people in our band that are really good really good and we have some excellent flutes, we have clarinets, and uh, we have a trombone player that has what we would call in the Navy a big, fat sound. Mm. He knows who I am. Yeah. Who I am. <laughs> Joey, Joey. And Joey, we have a good trombone section, and, and we have that Dr. Bob from the university plays French horn, and then uh, Dr. Ross plays trumpet, and uh, I'm trying to help him. You know, he's doing all right. He's, oh, boy. <laughs> But he's a good, he's a good player. Sure, sure. He, he, I don't, I'm not good in the rock stuff, but he's pretty good, and so we work together. Sure. Well, you know, and he's he's really fun to work with. So, when's the? Do you remember if you think back? When was the first time you played your trumpet publicly, like for for a public in concert that, in that band? No, ever in your whole life. W- were you just a, a kid, a teenager? Was it when you were in the military? I think uh, I think I was uh, like 14 years old, playing in. John Cook's German band. Wow. Wow. <laughs> My dad played, so I went along just to play along. You know? Sure, sure. And we had a tuba player, and he had the wrong music up. And I said, Frank, you got the wrong. He said, I, I'm blind. He said, I have this whole memorized. I just have the book here to make it look good. And we had a clarinet player that actually played with John Philip Sousa. Oh, wow. Wow, that's yep. neat. I had some so, uncles that played with Sousa, too. So you were inspired from an early age. You have a musical family. I guess so. Yeah, wow. Well, and, and you've passed that down. Some of your kids are musical, too, right? Well, I have two girls who play the flute and the piano. Mm-hmm. And my three boys, they, they all mess around with the guitar. Yes, yeah. I, I'm not good on the guitar. I tried it later on, but I, it's just not my bag. 
But uh, that five years of piano before I took trumpet, that was the key. Sure, sure. Well, that's a good good uh, reminder for those listening, for their kids. Yep. So now we have the Army, Air Force, Navy, Seabees, Coast Guard, and Marines, and God bless America. Okay. Can you play all of those in... Yeah, I just go right through them. You go right through them, but, but I'm not going to play the whole thing. No, 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 just a little, just uh, a little. A hundred dollars, I might be able to. Well, make no, it, I, you know, it's you know, uh, we've price. already blown the budget on the <laughs> on the drinks earlier, so no. But I will mention which branch you're you're. Okay, if, you can I, I'm pretty it out. good now. The the CBs one I'm not as familiar with, but I think I got it. So yeah, you can holler it out when you're recognized. I will. Okay. It's the U.S. Army. The Air Force. United States Navy. CBs. U.S. Coast Guard. United States Marine Corps. much larry that was great it's hard to play with these phones on well yeah I, i'm sure that throws you off a little bit but it makes it where the the listeners that, that was, was beautiful that was fun Thank that you. came through so clearly i've never had someone play the trumpet in the studio live with us before but that worked out great especially five dollar trumpet a five dollar trumpet it sounded like a a thousand dollar trumpet i don't know i don't know the difference between a five dollar thousand but you play it masterfully well i'm looking for a trumpet right now i'm for a good price <clears throat> sure <clears throat> Sure. Well, we'll we'll uh, float that out there. You just never know. So now, Larry, you guys, the Guam Territorial Band will be playing on the Fourth of July at one of the hotels in Tumon. Still, kind of to be announced. Right. And uh, as soon as we hear about that, uh, maybe Barb can give me a call and let me know. And uh, maybe we can have you back up here too around one of our patriotic days. Like I think Liberation Day. Maybe we'll have you up here, and maybe you can right around that time. I'd and, rather be here than down at. Well, yeah, there you go. And maybe we can bring some of your other Guam Territorial band friends, too. That'd be fun. I, I think we've had a couple of the guys before they went. Maybe it was after they went to the Olympics. But it was we before a big event. I know that we did have some of the Guam Territorial band folks up here just to talk about some upcoming 
concerts and things like that. But uh, I guess as we wrap this up, um, what advice would you give to parents? They want to put their kids into music lessons. What's the value and kind of what's the, what's the goal, would you say? Start on piano. Okay. Because you learn the bass clef, the treble clef, and uh, you just learn basic parts of music. Uh, when I, I started piano when I was seven, and when I was 13, I stopped piano and took trumpet. In a year, I was playing trumpet. Wow. All I had to do is learn, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so I'm not the greatest trumpet player, but God gave me a nice sound. And when, pe- when people hear me play, they want me to play longer. My trumpet teacher always said, you should have a nice sound. When you play one note, people shouldn't say, I hope it's short. <laughs> so when they hear me play, they tell me, you got a beautiful yeah, sound. I yes. said, well, God gave me the sound. I just put it yeah, to use. Yeah. Now, uh, I seem to remember as we wrap this up that you and Pastor Joe Henson have actually played a pretty unique duet before. <laughs> but how did that work? Well, I had more fun than he did. He would, <laughs> he would, he would play his horn and doing Armored Christian Soldiers, right? And I would stand next to him and do the fingering. Oh, wow. And every time we came to the last note, I would play the wrong note on, oh, boy. on purpose. And he would get so frustrated at me. <laughs> and he'd say, and across on Jesus, da, 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 and, and then I corrected. Oh, yep. excuse me. You know? yep. And everybody, that, this Sunday night service, you can't do that on a Sunday morning yes, service. Yes, right, right, right. Never get the no wrong. one will come back. You'll never get the wrong. <laughs> but he, he was a good player. Yes. And when I heard him play the first time, I knew he had good instruction. Mm. I said, do yourself a favor, lose your mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. Get rid of that thing. And I told him, he, got, he changed. Beautiful. Wow, wow. Well, that's neat. That's a great memory. And uh, uh, I'm sure it's an encouragement to him to be, uh, to hear about that and, and that, that we even remember it and that uh, we, maybe we need to have you guys reenact that one of these days. I think that I would be fun. I tried to bug him, with, but you know, he's, he's having physical. Yeah, you know, he's not been feeling too good. So hopefully he's listening and he knows that we're thinking about him today and this is a word of encouragement going out to him. And uh, Larry, I do thank you for coming by today. Real blessing to have you come up here. Thank you. Good to be here. Yep. And uh, make sure you tell your wife, Barb, uh, hello from us as well. She's a friend of our show. She's been on here many times. She does a great job representing Faith Bookstore. So, all right. And listeners, stick around. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, more Live Till 5, including some Stranger Than Fiction. So stick around. More Live Till 5 after this short break. back with a little more live till five thank you so much larry moyer for coming on the show and entertaining us a little bit inspiring us all you parents out there that have small kids keep them practicing their instruments he said start with the piano teaches them everything they need to know to read music later on and at 81 years young he's still going strong if you've never had a chance to meet larry and barb you should go down by faith bookstore and see if you can catch barb and Sweet, sweet couple. Now, 
want to share some of the stories I came across this week in the Stranger Than Fiction section because oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction and people send me funny stuff all the time. Like Sarah, who just moved away today, she sent me an article about rental pandas. Yes, there are many uh, zoos and places in the world where they rent pandas from China. Some of them uh, up to a million dollars to rent a panda because they don't have their own pandas for their own zoo, so they rent them from Chinese habitats, I guess. So very interesting. Here's another story that was sent to me this week by Bob the Librarian. This is uh, actually from the Pacific News Center, and it's an article entitled DYA Holds Authentic Literacy Training Seminar. And it's uh, the person quoted in here is Laura Torres Souder. She said this, children survive when they grow their brain power. And the Department of Youth Affairs held a three-day training seminar on literacy building strategies in its Manilao uh, Katan Youth Facility. Children survive when they grow their brain power. The food of the uh, food for the brain are words, so it begins with a very robust robust literacy program. But authentic literacy incorporates critical thinking skills, math skills, inquiry skills, which are associated with science of all forms of proficiencies that are integrated into the academic proficiency trajectory, said Souter. Souter says it's important for the leaders at Guam to realize the importance of authentic literacy skills and fund these kinds of programs. And off of her interview, that she made the statement that in 2014, 75% of Guam seniors graduated but did not have the vocabulary or reading level to enter Guam Community College or University of Guam. That's sad. So sometimes stranger in fiction is not funny. It's just you just scratch your head and say, wow, that's tough. Here's a couple interesting ones on the lighter side. There is this this beach, uh, Duak Beach, was uh, destroyed basically, in 1984 by a storm just off of Achill Island in, in Ireland. So Achill Island in Ireland, Duak Beach, uh, basically became this big stony beach because one big storm washed all the sand out to sea and left only rocks behind. But in a recent freak storm, 300, yard, 300 yards of sandy beach has now reappeared. For the first time in 33 years. The before and after pictures are stunning, by the way. Very interesting how the uh, sea brought the sand back. How about this one? Chinese officials intend to propose a new law in June they hope will give the country's national anthem a boost in solemnity. Recent state media reports of chaotic renditions of the March of the Volunteers has led officials to set parameters for where the anthem should be sung and at what tempo. State News blamed a rash of frivolous renditions wherein audiences sang the anthem too slow or too fast and also amid laughter on the lack of legal constraint. So that's what they blamed it on. There wasn't enough legal constraint. So now China's cracking down on the singing of the inspiring national anthem, the March of the Volunteers. While across the Sea of Japan... One Japanese princess has decided she'd rather be happy than royal. Japan's 25-year-old princess Mako, the oldest grandchild of Emperor Akihito, says she plans to marry Kei Kumuro, 
a law firm worker she met while attending International Christian University in Tokyo. But since Komuro, also 25, is a commoner, under imperial law, Princess Mako must give up her royal status in order to become his wife. Princess Mako's aunt, Princess Sayako, also surrendered her royalty when she married a government worker in 2005. Here's an interesting one. A New Jersey college lost $1.25 million of federal funding for a remarkable reason. School administrators failed to submit the grant application in the correct double-spaced format. As a result, the New Jersey Institute of Technology announced it may have to eliminate its college prep program for low-income high school students. According to the Chronicle of Higher Education, several schools lost out on the Department of Education funding because of double-spacing margin or font errors. Wow. These are educational institutions losing big bucks because grammar. How about this one? For Adam Ronning, it feels good to be alive again. In 1988, someone from the bureaucracy of the United States government filed a form accidentally declaring Ronnie, then four years old, to be dead. Since then, Ronning has worked and filed taxes, but gotten back only a portion of his IRS tax return. The Minnesota man says he's been trying to call and fix the error for years so they can collect the $20,000 owed him in federal tax refunds. I'd call, and they were like, oh, okay, we'll give them to the hold monster. <laughs> Ronning told KMSP-TV he finally found satisfaction when he contacted the U.S. Senator Amy Klaubacher, who used her clout to resolve the issue with a few phone calls. Very interesting. Those are all from World Magazine. Just got a recent issue here. Uh, it's the June 10th issue. Full of good stuff. Probably share some more of that next week. Now, something that's near and dear to the heart of one of the people I work with, CM. I interviewed her because I know that she is a cat lover. Now, I like dogs. Like, I like Labrador retrievers, and I think they're kind of cool, and bigger dogs are kind of fun, but they also make big messes. But I don't love, love animals. But CM, she loves cats, and she let me know. I started reading these facts. This is from Mental Floss, 11 surprising facts about cat adoption. I don't think I'll read all 11. But basically... Adoption is one of the most common ways to get a new cat. So from like a uh, shelter, like the gain shelter. She agreed with that. She said actually hers was an adopted cat. Black cats don't have trouble getting adopted. You would think that black animals, because of superstition, people wouldn't want a black cat. But that is not necessarily true. Matter of fact, my inside source, CM, said that the orange ones go first, but that uh, black ones don't necessarily get, get uh, overlooked. Uh, she also said, I had asked her about this fact, uh, this thing listed in this article. It says, two might be better than one. Basically, bonded pairs keep each other company and, company, and they need less attention from you, less likely to take out their boredom and anxiety on your house, and they eat at the same time. And she confirmed that that is, not all people do that, but that does make a lot of sense. And actually, uh, SP, one of our other friends of the show, she actually has two cats. Uh, let's see. Outgoing cats get adopted first. CM also confirmed that this is true. If you go to a shelter and there's a cat that comes up and wants to play with you, or rubs up against your leg, cuddles with you, that cat will probably be the one that gets adopted first. And then um, uh, basically I said, well, so what's the big deal about cats? Why do you like cats better than dogs? And I got, I, there wasn't even two seconds of silence 
before she gave me a handful of reasons. First off, cats take care of themselves. All you have to do is change the litter box every once in a while and put out some food and water, and they take care of themselves. Secondly, they don't smell so bad. Third, they don't make big messes in the yard. You don't have to go around and clean up their messes, so to speak, out in the yard. And they, fourth, they don't slobber all over you. And she, she was serious about this. She has actually thought about this, and uh, she's passionate about cats. And you know what? It is National Cat Adoption Month and Shelter Cat Month. And so in honor of CM and in, at an arm's length SP as well, hey, you know what? We're emphasizing the joys of cat ownership. So good on you. I'm not going to say anything negative about cats at all today. Because we actually had a cat once, but then we found out one of our kids was very allergic, and so we had to get rid of him or her. I can't remember if it was him or her. Okay, so now, before we continue, I just want to talk a little bit about what's happening here this weekend at Harvest. Then we're going to take a short, short break. Then we're going to come back and listen to an excerpt of the interview I did after last week's service. So, First off, this weekend at Harvest Baptist Church, 9.30 a.m., Adult Bible Fellowships. Those are classes. We only have a few of them going during the summertime where you can come. It's like a Bible study. It's a, usually a topic or, or a specific uh, uh, book of the Bible. This summer, I believe we're working through the book of Revelation and prophecy in uh, that, that class, 9.30. We have programs for kids of all ages, so we'd love for you to bring your family if you don't have a church home. If you have a church home and it's a church that preaches God's word, be faithful to that. Get there, get your family there, worship God, serve others, look for people that need some encouragement, grow, apply what you learn. It's very, very important. So, and uh, we also have an evening service. Now, this week, our evening service is a little different. We're starting at 4 p.m., going till 6 p.m., and it is because, sad to say, it is our good friend and brother, Kevin Anifuku, and Misty, his wife, and their four kids. It's their last Sunday at Harvest, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Sunday afternoon. We're having a little reception for them, and we're going to hear from Kevin. He's going to say some parting words for us, and we're going to just be able to fellowship together and uh, send them off harvest style, and then they leave actually Monday morning for this, for Korea and then to the States. But uh, So Sunday afternoon is not our normal service. If you know Kevin and Missy, you're more than welcome to come and participate. It'll be in the Family Life Center. All of our services for the next two months are in the Family Life Center while the auditorium's being repaired. So we'd love to invite you to that. Normally our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. So that's what's happening this weekend. So I just wanted you to know so you kind of understood what was going on. Now, we don't want that to make us sad. You know, the good thing is when you love the Lord and you have a relationship with Christ, you're going to see each other again someday. And I hope to see him even before heaven again. But uh, that's always a good reminder that it's not just here on earth. It's for eternity that we're looking, looking ahead. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk about what happened here at Harvest last weekend and play an excerpt from one of those services. So stick around. More Live Till 5 after this. Money to negative and let's To the affirmative, don't mess with Mr. in between. You gotta spread your... With me, Lord. 
that walk with me. Walk with me, Lord. God, walk with me. While I'm on this old tedious journey, I want Jesus to walk with me. And we're back with a little more Live Till 5. And as we wrap up the show for today, this last 10 minutes, I want to dedicate it to the interview that I had the distinct privilege, very humbling privilege, to be able to uh, talk to Dr. Ravi Zacharias after he spoke at Harvest Baptist Church last Sunday night, June 4th. And so I'd like to go ahead and get into that right now. It's going to take up most of the rest of the hour. I'll wrap it up after this short interview. Dr. Zacharias, thank you so much for coming tonight. Uh, Our gym was full to the max. I would estimate we had at least eight, 900 people here tonight, which would be the largest church event we've ever had, I believe. And we had people from at least 10 different churches here, 15 different cultures at least represented here tonight. What a blessing, all different ages, stages of life, saved, unsaved. And uh, we just appreciate you coming to Guam and taking an extra day to be able to speak at this event. Thank you so much, Jared. Uh, what an honor to be here. You know, it's. Uh... I jokingly said very few people know exactly where this is, but what an important part of world uh, geography this is. And people who are here understand that. So it's my honor to be here and minister to see a packed audience like this. It thrills my heart. Well, we we were blessed, and we were blessed last night at the Naval Base Chapel. Tonight, your message, uh, I don't think I've ever heard that message before. I've listened to many of your sermons. That message hit me right as if there was a target right on my heart. Why do you think the Lord led you to preach that message? What, what was it that, that the Lord used as a catalyst? It's interesting you say that because I had a different message in mind until about two in the afternoon. Mm. But the more I kept thinking of all of life's challenges and issues that you face, and uppermost on my mind all along has been children. What kind of a world are the children going to face? As a grandfather, and I look at my little ones, and you know, to be greeted in here by this little seven-year-old Matthias has been waiting to shake my hand. We have to start thinking of our kids. We are confused as adults. What about them? How are they going to face the future? You know, we face the challenge of mass communication. They are going to face the challenge of propaganda, of ideological Uh, controlling of their minds. We have no answers in the secular world. And so to think of the family and the children and my own life, really, how I need to make some changes, make my heart right before God uh, for the moment in which he will call me home. So this afternoon at two, I said, what is most important in my heart right now? It's children and the next generation. That's why I selected that message. Well, Guam is such a family uh, centric place. It, we, we are uh, surrounded by large families. Our ministries are to families, uh, our school, our church, many of the churches here. It's all very family oriented. So uh, it was just conspicuous that God laid that on your heart. In this culture, it, it was exactly what we needed tonight. So thank you very much. Now, at the end, you gave an invitation and many people responded. Uh, I, I, I wasn't able to look around, but I could hear you yeah. recognizing all the hands. What do you hope that people take away from tonight's message? What, how do you want them to apply it? What, what, what do you hope is the ultimate result of the message? 
I think the ultimate result is always individual. What do I want out of a message like this? I want my heart to turn towards God. I want to make that journey back to Him whenever I've faltered or struggled or whatever. I want to walk with Him. He saved me when I was 17. I don't ever want to forget that moment, but that moment you can't live with. You've got to live over a protracted period of time. So it first of all is an individual application. What do you do with your life? How does it apply to you? But then it goes on to responsibility. And that responsibility starts in the home and in the various relationships that God gives to you. You know, when I was coming here, a woman was sitting next to me in the plane. And uh, when we got off, I went to the baggage carousel and she came over towards me. She said, she was from Korea or somewhere. She said, thank you for making me feel more comfortable. Well, that was a strange comment. Then it dawned on me that after we'd taken off, I said to her, you know, there are empty seats, I'll move over there, you'll have more room too. And she thanked me for it. She said, I'm coming back from my child's funeral. And she said, I haven't slept for three or four days. And she just needed to sleep. Now I moved away to give both of us more room. She needed the room just to finally get some sleep in her body. Mm. And as I saw her walking away with the suitcase, my heart was so heavy, mm. you know. I just said to her, I'll be praying for you. And she pointed up and she said, God is my only hope. People walk with wounds. And she just came to say thank you for even moving away to give me a little more room. When you talk to an audience like this, a lot of people who need to be touched. And so to be here, bring this message, my hope is that individual lives will be changed and we will take our responsibility for our families and our community. And what you're doing, Jared, through the school is an in, maybe the greatest legacy you will leave in your part, in your portion that we need our children well-educated, clear thinkers and devoted in their hearts to God. Education is the key to the future and the secular world has lost it. They have no point of reference for values. How do you educate without values? If there's no moral reasoning, what does reasoning have to do with anything? Then? So what you're doing through the church and the school is going to make a difference. That's a blessing. It's a challenge to us. Let me ask you one question that has come up quite often with our students in our school, people as we counsel. Uh, people oftentimes get to a point in their life where they feel like God's just not close to them. Maybe God's not listening to them. Maybe not God's for them anymore. How would you encourage someone that might feel like they're not sure if God's really there for them anymore? It's tough. You know, we talk about it as the hiddenness of God, God seeming so distant. I remember a, a senator's son in Washington saying to me, why has God made it so difficult to believe in him? There are two options. You know, God could say, every time you call upon me, and you, I will intervene for you. Your arm is sore, I'll heal that. You're losing a loved one, I will restore. And if you do that, you're really ending up playing God. You're only living by sight, not by faith. You're taking your belief in God for what you can get from him. God will always intersect at different times in our lives. That intersection is not in a sense of a constant undeniability of his presence, but a punctuated visitation that says he's always been there. I think it's a little bit like this. When we look back upon life, we will know he's always been there. At the moment of our need, we may think he's far away. Though that's the way I look at it. The older you get, the more you realize he has always been there. So I say to them, how do you make sure he is there with you every day? 
by putting your hand in his hand. How do you do that? By reading his word. Start the day by reading his word. End the day by reading his word. You will find the appropriateness of his words to you as a confirmation of his love and his presence with you. So when you start with his word and his voice, you will walk with his presence. We may go through dry seasons, we all do, but stay with it, walk with the Lord by the study of the word and in prayer. Be a part of fellowship groups, build good Christian friendships because people like that put you back. I'll tell you a little bit uh, of an illustration. We used to have a border collie dog. Border collies are trainers. Mm -hmm. They are very obedient. And my daughter brought her little mutt of a dog that wasn't listening to anything. And we were taking them both for a walk. And every time that little one strayed away, the border collie would come on the outside. Like a little and nudge, Yeah, nudge yes. the little one back in. When you've got good friends and good guides and good leaders, they'll be that border collie in your life and push you back. But begin the day with your hand in his hand. That's key. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dr. Zacharias. Thank you, Jared. What a blessing. Lord it was you. a blessing to have Dr. Ravi Zacharias at Harvest Baptist Church last weekend. And really, we were the beneficiaries of planning that was uh, put into place months earlier by some of the different chaplains here on Guam, including but not limited to uh, Dennis Kirkland, who was on the show with us last week. What a blessing. Thank you, Dennis, and uh, the other chaplains that, that helped bring him to Guam. And thank you, Dr. Ravi Zacharias, for coming and speaking. It was a wonderful message, and we'll have that available, a link to that message up this next week on our websites and social media, so just keep an eye out for that. And that's the end of the fastest two hours of my week, live till five, two hours of live local broadcasting right here at KHMG Studios. We'll rebroadcast it again noon to 2, Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. or go to khmg.org and download the podcast or listen to the stream. Have a great weekend. You're listening to Live Till 5 on KHMG Harvest Family Radio, 88.1 FM, Barragata, Guam. Stick around for SRN News.